three, two, one. Welcome back to another episode of Sower in the State Soccer. This is Chris, the MLS card guy. My guy Nashi's back with me. How was your Thanksgiving, man? You do the Thanksgiving thing? Yeah, I've been I've been here long enough. I've been 12 years now in the States. So I'm finally getting a hang of it. But um, yeah, it was good. We did we didn't travel too far. Like sometimes we go out to Las Vegas. That's where my wife's family's from, but LAX, the travel, the roads, the airports are an absolute nightmare. Obviously, as you probably know, too, on Thanksgiving. So this year we had kind of a mellow one with our um, we've got a new nephew down in L.A. So we just had a quiet one. But, yeah, it was good and early night sleep for uh, get out for a big game on Friday. So I'm sure we'll get to talking about that in a Wait, little was bit. Was there a game on Friday? <laughs> what, what you, how was your uh, how was your little Thanksgiving? Uh, my uh, Thanksgiving itself was very low key because I didn't get to go home or do anything. So uh, we we were planning the watch party for the World Cup game for the next day. Uh, so we were all going to be in, you know, like 6 a.m., like get in there and start working on stuff. Uh, so it was it, I knew it was going to be uh, kind of an early morning. So I didn't do anything crazy on, on Thanksgiving itself. Um, but the uh, the watch party itself was pretty good. Had almost 2000 people show up. Uh you know, everybody had a great time. I got to do a little, little 20 minute like interview with our coach uh, up on the big screen, up on the big board. So yeah, it was a, it was, it was a good time actually. I had a, had a lot of fun and had a lot of people come up to me and uh, and say what a good time they had. So glad we could kind of do it and, and kind of bring everybody together to kind of watch this thing. That's cool. Is that, was that like a collaboration between you and the, the river hounds or did you go out kind of on a limb and say, look, I think I can put something cool together here and, Maybe are you going to be doing it for the rest of the tournament or what? Yeah. So, I mean, that was, that was in my responsibilities as the river hounds, uh, as an employee of the river hounds, I was kind of pushing that, that we should kind of go out and do this. Um, and then kind of other people hopped in and started, you know, throwing this idea and that idea. And it just kind of, kind of became a group effort and everybody kind of, kind of got involved. We partnered with a local, um, a local uh, nonprofit that does like refugee soccer games. So like they have a different team from each country um, that has a, bu- a bunch of refugee kids. And basically they teach people how to fit into American society through soccer, which is really cool. Um, so we kind of partner with them. We had like some raffles to like benefit them and get them some, some funding and stuff. Uh, so overall it was a really cool day. Like we got to really give back a lot. Um, everybody kind of came out and was obviously watching the game um i couldn't even see the game because i was supposed to be like if the u.s had scored i was supposed to be the one that was doing the goal call in the stadium um so they had me like on a wired mic and i was like on the side and i barely could see the could see the game at all um but it was it was still pretty fun uh, to have everybody there and i think there were one or two like pretty pretty close moments where everybody like kind of kind of got excited but um yeah i mean obviously nil nil is is uh not the most exciting game in the world but uh i guess i guess talk to me a little bit about the game because you probably saw it even better than i did um how'd it go you know as as an england fan you 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 whipped iran six to two uh and then you come into the u.s game how did you how do you think it went yeah i I was gonna say i would did you uh did you let any of the any brits into your event or was it uh oh yeah there are a few english people there oh yeah I had the same. I was, I was told you I was down in Los Angeles and I was looking for a bar 
And um, I went down with my brother-in-law and he knew one that was showing it down the road. So I got up, put my England shirt on all proudly. And I thought, well, it'd be a low-key, like, you know, be a low-key situation. I walk in, the bar's packed and there's not another single England fan in there. And I'm walking <laughs> with a bright red shirt, like target on my back. So <laughs> as the game was developing towards the end, there was like a little part of me that almost didn't want England to score. Cause you know what I mean? <laughs> all eyes would have been on me, but um, no, nah, I mean, it, like, back to the game, it was, yeah. I mean, we just didn't get out of like first gear really. I mean, it was, yeah, it happens if you played or watch football, you see them kind of games. It's not an excuse. It's it's actually really inexcusable in a stage like this, in a game like this, which is big for the fans. But even, I mean, even a post-game interviews kind of came off a bit blasé and they were kind of, oh, we're happy with a point, whatever. And in terms yeah. of the con- context of the group and the situation, yeah, a point's fine. It's, we're probably going to win the group. We're in a great spot to go through. That's all positive. We did have one big performance, so you can't throw it all out. But as a fan, it still worries you. You don't want to see a performance like that. It was sluggish. And, the, I mean, we'll get to the U.S. I've got some nice things to say about uh, the U.S. performance. I thought it was I thought it was a defining performance for the for the country and for the national team um, from their point of view. Yeah, but for England, we, we it, yeah, it, it wasn't like, I didn't feel like, oh, we were like, came out flying. But you can't, you can't just like warm up into a game like that on this stage. And I think they overlooked the ability of the Americans. I think they sort of underestimated them a bit. And I think they're a bit caught off guard by the quality and the intensity that uh, the US came out with. And strategically in the game, obviously there wasn't any, there were some big moments, some big chances um, missed that happens. I mean, for the, for the US perspective, you've got to take one of them sort of half, half decent chances if you want to get a result there. But the fact yeah. that they were creating them almost at will, um, a good few chances in both halves should be promising if they can make it through into the tournament. I think that from, from a US perspective, this was obviously the Wales game, the first half of the Wales game, brilliant, came out, dominated the ball like an experienced side. And then you saw there was a tactical change at halftime from the Welsh. They played my direct. They said, we're going to put some pressure on this team. And I think they, it kind of worked pretty well. You could tell... US got a little bit flustered. You you didn't play poorly. It was probably an even second half, but then a mental lapse by Walker Zimmerman. You the, you know they they just crumbled a little bit. They didn't keep their composure. And coming into the game, my thought was maybe that was indicative of this is now a big game, a high pressure moment against a big you know good top yeah. team in the world, just coming off a big performance. And I thought the bravery of Actually, Zimmerman and Reem, I thought, had a brilliant game on the ball. After getting a fair bit of criticism, thing they were yeah, brave. Reem's been fantastic. They were brave. They took it in tight, tight areas. But where you dominated this game was in the midfield. And I mean, yeah, we'll get to you. You've got probably more to say on it. But obviously, yeah. Berhard was getting a lot of criticism leading up to this tournament. Gio Reyna, even in the first game, where's Gio Reyna? And we can, I'd like to get your opinion on that. But the, them three in the midfield, I don't think it's negotiable anymore after that performance. You got Mo- Moosa, Adams, and McKenney. They just ran the game. They were so lively, so busy. They were brave on the ball, interchanging between each other, getting forward, everything you want to see. And that was the standout highlight. We know the quality you have out wide. Both your fullbacks, both your wingers did what we know they can do. But that was the real surprise for me. And as an England fan, that was what was concerning me. You were winning the battle in the middle of the park. And it felt like 
they were really smart. We had Declan Rice screening and then Bellingham was floating, but you were really getting in the spaces between Mason Mount and Bellingham. They didn't really seem like there was much cohesion and they were just getting runners through. And I thought, I thought it was a really good performance from the US. What, what were your thoughts on? Yeah, on can, like- we, can we just take a second here to say these are two of the top midfields in the world that went head-to-head with England and the US and all of the midfielders that played in these games were all like 24 under. Like the future is so bright for both England and the US. It almost feels like the US for sure, I think is is a tournament away. England's getting there because they do have a few more experienced players. Um, But my God, there are some talented youngsters in both of these teams. Um, As far as the going back to the Wales match here for a second, I actually thought it, it was an experience. I think they... They tried to put their foot on the gas way too much in the first half. And yes, they dominated and they looked great, but they only scored one goal. If you're going to, if you're going to go for somebody's throat like that, you got to get two or three in the first half. And I thought the second half they came out and they were completely flat. They didn't have the energy left. I thought they were literally out of gas in the 50th minute and they just kind of held on. And yeah, the, the Walker Zimmerman, that's a bad challenge. He kind of dove in, but Wales had other opportunities to be fair. Um, so I, I don't I don't necessarily blame Walker. Obviously, it would be nice to get the win, but as the group kind of t- pans out, realistically, the point in that game is not a horrible result. And then you go up against England, and that was a lot more of what I expected from the U.S. team. I think they went toe-to-toe with England. Um, it was very – I would say a draw is very fair from what I could see, um, but maybe the maybe the U.S. was slightly better, but I, I think not enough better to, to deserve the win. Um, I think England did a, a lot of things really well um, and the U S didn't finish again. There's no number nine on this team. So I don't think they're going to consistently score goals. Um, but my God, the midfield they're they're not going to get overrun by anybody. Um, I, I think if, at some point they're going to have a game like the Wales game uh, where they maybe score only one when they should score two or three and the other team gets a goal and they'll lose in a penalty shootout or something. And that's how they'll get a, eventually eliminated from this. Um, but yeah, I, I think this team is showing me exactly what I wanted to see from them in this world cup to give me a lot of confidence going into 2026. And I mean, obviously this world cup is not over. It's just straight up against Iran win and you're in draw and you're out. So, um, it's very simple for the U S they know exactly what they need to do. I fully expect them to beat Iran, um, and get into the knockouts and, and I, my God, I don't want to play them if I'm in the knockouts, like, if I'm Holland or if I'm Ecuador or if I'm Senegal, I don't want to play this U.S. team in a round of 16 game. That just that would be terrifying for me. Um, they may not win. They may not get through. But like you said, that midfield is not going to get beaten by anybody outside of maybe, I don't know, maybe Germany's midfield. But my God, they're, they're so young and they're so athletic and they move so well. And Tyler Adams puts out so many fires. Uh, I can't wait to see what they do in 26. To be where's fair. this leave? Um, where's this leave Gio Reyna for you as a fan, as a as a spectator? Like we, I can't I can't see where he gets in because Weir yeah. has been brilliant. Weir has been yeah. really brilliant. He's back from a long injury and he's he seems like he's came in flying. Pulisic non non negotiable. Right. That's it. That's it. A hundred percent. That's it. We have four world class wingers and we can only start two of them. Period. Like you're not going to sit Pulisic. You're probably not going to sit Wea and Aronson is first off the bench. Gio's not even the third best winger. So at this point in time, Gio Reyna is just not 
good enough. Like he's got the, he's got probably the most potential of any of them. And I think that's why everybody's clamoring for him, but the kid's been hurt for a year and a half. Like he hasn't put together solid performances week after week. And to some extent that's the same with Weya. but Weya has proven it at the U S level. Whereas Reyna doesn't have nearly as much experience as Weya with this team. Um, so per, my personal favorite is, is Aronson. Um, but I can hundred percent see starting Weya because he is probably better going forward. And he's a better finisher. And that's what this team really needs. They don't need another presser, which is more what Aronson's game is. Um, Geo, I think will play a part in this tournament. I think he'll come off the bench and be more of a super sub, but yeah, I mean, where do you start him? There's, I, I don't, fault them at all for not starting him um do i fault them for not bringing him on in the in the wales game eh, maybe a little but i mean again he's the fourth best winger so if you're not going to take off christian you're going to switch aronson and, and way up pretty much interchangeably there's really no spot for him like where do you play him my concern is that you you've been playing well you've been creating chances but you're not got the players you, like even in the england game you were tearing us apart out wide. I thought Robinson has been arguably your best player. Robinson's fantastic. Unbelievable up and down. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's he and like, Tim Ream are so good together too. Yeah, he's been absolutely on fire. And he's just his energy and his stamina. I mean, you you watch him and you think he, he, he's got to sit down. He's got to have a lay down for another week after that. He's just <laughs> up and down. But he comes back three days later and does it again. So yeah. massive credit to him. It's the first time I've really watched him on like a, a proper stage like that. Um, obviously Dest is a bigger name in some ways and we know what he can do. Yeah. And I don't think Dest has had the best tournament. Have you, do you think Dest has been good? He's coming back from an injury. You can tell that he's yeah. not hundred percent sharp, but I do think he, he does have, he does have the quality that you need in that position. And I think he's done well. Do you I think, think he's, I think he's too much like Trent, like he's too offensive and he doesn't really take care of the defensive half as well as he needs to be. Like he's very good going forward, but we don't really need more creation going forward, right? We don't need a right back to create things. Um, I I would I would rather see some of the other guys that they have that are a little more sound defensively in the back uh, and just kind of play more defensive because we don't really need an overload on that side with Musa and Wea. Like we've got we've got guys that are terrifying the other teams on both sides anyway. Um, so I, I don't know if I've loved Dest's performance. I think realistically Dest and at times Walker Zimmerman have been the two weak spots and then the number nine, because we, we can't finish. Like we have one goal in this tournament as well as we've played as many chances as as we've created. We only have one goal and that's a concerning thing because we do need to score against Iran. Yeah, it's tough. I think that, I think the issue you're going to have is, or like, I guess the problem for, Bohar and the discussion amongst US fans is how to exploit and play to your strengths. And like from what I've seen, like um, these two games, that midfield is a strength. But I think that midfield showed against England that they can hold their own. That's a real core strength for this team. Yeah, 100%. I think that what you said about Dest is something that I was thinking about watching the game. And, it, and I was almost thinking it's a shame if you had in the roster, in the squad, another quality centre-back, maybe really good on the ball, I think there'll be a real consideration. <clears throat> John obviously, personnel-wise, <laughs> it's difficult, but to play them two wing-backs, because then you look at the two wing-backs, Robinson, from what I've seen, and Dest, and his ability to go forward. Now you've got two weapons out wide that would have a look at most teams in this competition. You know They're dangerous. No one wants to play them. 
And you can really yeah. give them that license without, like you said, exposing the gaps in behind that you have at the 4-4-2 or 4-3-3, sorry. So, but obviously that leaves a conundrum up front. Do you then play Weir and Pulisic and just hope that we put our two kind of best attackers up there and hope they can do something like they did in the first game? A brilliant goal, by the way. But there's a real yeah. moment of quality between the two of them. I don't know if there's something to think about. Oh, obviously, this is too much to figure out on the fly. But looking ahead, I think that these, these three guys in the midfield, these two wingbacks, they're all young. They're all improving. And they've really got the ability to be world-class. So looking forward to maybe 2026, maybe a system that plays to their strength and gets your best players in front of the goal a little bit more in more dangerous areas. Maybe that's something to think about. I'm not sure. But yeah. I think there's a lot that can be done with this US team. And, I, and although you could crash out, I, you said you expect an easy win against Iran. I don't think that's going to be an easy game. No, I don't start. think it'll be easy. I think we will win, though. Yeah. I, I, I really don't think it'll be easy. Iran's going to sit 11 guys behind the ball, and they're very good at that. Like, I don't think they're – the only reason they got pumped by England was because they gave up a goal very early, and then they tried to come out and play, and it, they just got smacked. Like, yeah. that's not Iran's game. Iran's game is what they did to Wales. And I think that is a whole lot more like what we're going to see against the U.S. team. That being said, I still expect the U.S. to win this game. I don't expect Iran to score, and I expect the U.S. to score at least one. Yeah, and, and you just kind of have to on this stage. If I think before the tournament, if they could have said, win and you're in against yeah. Iran. 100%. Taking it. And I yeah. think that, yeah, and I think that, if they get if they get through that game and then they go into the Netherlands game or whoever it's going to be, and I think they'll have confidence. I think they I think they from what I saw against England, I think that game will give them the confidence to think we can actually we can compete at this yeah. top level. And whatever happens from then on, like I think this, like you said, the tournament's too soon for the US, but already there's a lot of promising signs that I've seen from from that. So I think England was sluggish. I think I think the next game and will kind of. Hopefully we bounce back, show something, you know, have a good performance, a sharper performance, because it was a little wake up call that we needed. I think, I think England's was... actually been, I think England's actually been really good. Um, I was kind of expecting more, I don't know, laxness, I guess. But boy, man, when they when they got ahead of Iran, they put them to the sword. They absolutely obliterated Iran, and Iran is again not a bad team. Like it's that that's the thing with this World Cup. There's really no bad teams. Like Qatar is probably the worst team that I've seen. Um, and I mean, they're maybe not quite up to the level of, of the rest of the teams. Um, but everybody else, realistically, I, I think everybody else has gotten a point except for maybe Canada. Um, and we're only two games in. So obviously Canada's has looked really dangerous. They should have beat Belgium um, or at least tied Belgium. And I mean, I think they're the only other team with no points. Um, and obviously we're recording this before the last two games from the last two groups, but or the second games from the last two groups. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't think, I don't think Iran is bad in the way that England handled them and the way that England went toe to toe with the U S took their best shot and still came out with a draw. I, I fully expect them to beat Wales and I fully expect England to, to make it through and be, I, I wouldn't want to play England at all. Like that, that's a very scary team to try to knock out if you're if you're I, I think what's kind of happened um 
ironically there's always like the memes and the chat is that like oh like english players are overvalued right in the transfer market which can be true but in the same time i think in the global psyche some of these english players don't get as much romanticized as some of the european players or the psg guys yeah but these are the top players playing they don't put up the, the stats playing right. in the well they're playing the top players playing for the top teams in the top league in the world and I, I hold the opinion that the Premier League is significantly better than any other league in the world. Not because I mean I just that's my football opinion from top to bottom. I don't think it's yeah. I don't think you I don't think the bottom a- the bottom of the Premier League is better than the bottom of any other league. I don't know that from top to bottom I would say that, but yeah, the bottom is clearly better than anybody else. Yeah, but that's what I mean. You don't see like so you're not going to see. Phil Fold, Phil Fold, and you know Mason Mount scoring 30 goals right. a season in the Premier League because they've got right. a tough game every week. You, exactly, you know, you're playing Newcastle away. You're not playing Troyes at, at home. Sister you know what I mean? And Bapham winning seven nil. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think like I've been talking to a lot of friends around here, and obviously having some banter about. But my genuine opinion, from a football standpoint, I don't think it's biased. Is that England's players are a little bit underrated. Like I also man, man for man, we 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 have probably the best squad outside yeah. of France. I think like I, I think France yeah. couldn't have an argument because they have a few X factors. And Brazil, you know, but Brazil. I, yeah, I think I, Brazil has a really good team, and it's because of their backs. Like I, I love their defensive. Like everybody loves Neymar and Richarlison and blah blah blah. But like that team is so hard to score on. It's ridiculous. Um, I and think, I think that's I why think, they're they're really good. I don't think a single player outside of Neymar and potentially Vinicius gets in the uh, England team. I'd say Allison, Allison, and Marquinhos would get in, but outside of that, I don't, I don't think. I don't think. I don't think. I don't love the midfield for Brazil, but like the defending and the and the forwards are great. So who's so you're talking about Brazil and you know Brazil and Argentina came into this favourites. Who's yeah. been your biggest positive surprise? A team that's done better than you thought they were going to? Um, so I would say Spain, except I thought they were going to be pretty good. And everybody kind of talked me off Spain. I was like, ah, they won't get through. Like a lot of people convinced me that Germany and Japan would get through. A lot of people were like, ah, I didn't really like Spain. I actually originally had Spain going to the final and losing in the final. And I really like that, that pick at this point. Having seen them absolutely dismantle Costa Rica, who's a good team, not a great team, but a good team. Um, And then play today against Germany. I thought they were the better team for large stretches against Germany. And I thought Spain realistically coming into this, a lot of people had getting knocked out. And at this point they're pretty much already through um, and playing Japan in the final game. So unless they lose to Japan, which is possible, but I doubt it. um, I think Spain has definitely turned my eye obviously brazil's been very very good england's been very good france has been very good but i expected those more um so i would say spain is probably the team with a chance to win it that i maybe had maybe had less of a chance than than i or they have a better chance now than i thought they had coming in let's put it that way i was one of those people when you were saying tipping spain i thought they would be tournament. i didn't think they had enough firepower up front but I, they would be the team that I would pick out too that have pleasantly surprised me with their quality and their system and their bravery. Like, I don't know if you watched the game today, but Luis Enrique, he's gone playing 
a very high line at points yeah. from set pieces. They know their weaknesses and they're taking, they're not the biggest side in the world. They're going to be susceptible for set pieces. So they've planned some strategies around this thing. Attacking wise, they, they're not even starting Maratta, but they seem to have found a really nice rhythm and they've gone for out and out pace up front. They've got Asensio, Torres and, and Olmo and it's working really well. And the young boys in the midfield are, I mean, obviously they're hyped. We know they talk about Pedri, Gavi, but watching them on this stage playing like they're, they're playing in the playground is yeah. unbelievable. So I owe a overall apology to Spain because I really, I was one of them. I didn't think they wouldn't get out of the group, but I thought they, whereas we found Germany in danger of this group, because I, I, I mean, Japan's result against Costa Rica today is horrific. Like it's an absolute yeah. biggest Biggest missed opportunity they'll they'll ever have, I think. But but that's because this is such a tough group. Like all four of these teams are good teams, you know. Yeah. But you saw Japan's danger in that first game against yeah. Germany. They rode their luck. Of course, they're underdogs and they ride their luck. But they they have firepower. They're they're lively. They're electric. And I don't know whether they kind of clammed up knowing that it was a must win today. I didn't watch the Costa Rica games too early, but that's a massive opportunity if. I mean, that's like if they win that game today, which I think on paper they should have, they're through. And Spain or Germany, or at out least draw, or yeah. at least draw. Yeah. Yeah. So now 100%. it's all down to the final day, which is good. But yeah, Spain, Spain are going to be a problem. And I didn't think, to be honest, I didn't think they were going to be. And Morata's yeah. come off the bench and been effective. He's scored goal, brilliant finish today. So yeah, they're, yeah. they're one that stood out in a positive way. Who's been your biggest disappointment so far? Can I say one more thing on, on the positives? So instead of just one team being a, my, my overall biggest positive, instead of it just being one team, it's like all of the underdogs in this tournament, all the teams that kind of came in as the fourth place team in their group outside of Qatar have all either won games or looked impressive um, and looked like they were up to the standards. Like really this world cup has kind of changed my opinion a little bit and i kind of think the rest of the world is starting to catch up to some of these big teams as far as producing talent because i think there's there's talent where there just hasn't been in the past so i was a little skeptical of the of the world cup expanding to more teams coming up because i just didn't think there was enough good teams with talent to make it worth it and now having watched this i'm like yeah pretty much there's really one team in this tournament that i don't think belongs and i think it's qatar Outside of that, everybody else has had a decent showing against decent teams. So the Saudi Arabias, the Irans, um, I mean, Morocco to some degree, although they're probably going to get through. Um, just some some smaller teams, even Japan, like Costa Rica has gotten a result. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of anybody else who's, who's smaller, who's kind of upset the apple cart a little bit. Um, and that's kind of evidenced by the fact that I believe there's only two teams already out, and that's Qatar and Canada. And even Canada's looked impressive at times. And I think there's only one team that's got both wins so far, which is France, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah. I think only one team has six points, and they're already through. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, even Australia, like they, they did the business. So, um, yeah, kudos to the smaller teams for for showing out and showing up and and putting on a really thrilling World Cup so far. And that's the thing about the the World Cup and that's the thing about football, soccer as a sport, is there's the, the thing that's nice when you see these moments, like they haven't always gone through and won the game, you know, but Canada went one up today. Um, 
But like Australia against France took the lead, a brilliant goal as well. Senegal making the comeback. They didn't get it done against Portugal. But the, oh, was it Ghana or Senegal? I can't remember. But anyway, but Ghana. Yeah, Ghana. And, um, but you know, Ghana. yeah. Like, yeah. Good, but to take point. to take Ghana there, like the, the beauty of the sport is, you know that that one moment where they pull a goal back, where they equalize, yeah. where they, that the whole of that country is in a moment of joy, you know, and you feel that watching the World Cup from around the world. It's, this is slightly different to, it, it transcends individual sports and Champions Leagues and, you know, the Super Bowl and all these great sporting events. I think that's the thing that's baked in here that like, as a fan, if you know what this means to some of these smaller countries, it's not about them winning. They're not thinking they're going to come there and win Costa Rica today. They're not thinking they're going to come. But even, they're not gonna yeah, think well, yeah, they're not going to win the world cup, but they're winning games though. That's, that's where I think is the difference from past tense to now. Like there's been times where like Trinidad and Tobago have gotten through where they just go and get mauled three times. And it's like, this team really didn't belong in this tournament. You know, there's, I think, was it Peru or somebody, somebody at Panama, maybe. I think they got mauled like three times in, in Russia. I, maybe I'm, maybe I'm missing that, but um, there's been times where I've been like, ah, this team's just terrible. And there's like normally three or four or five teams in each world cup that are like that. And this one, there's just not like even Qatar, who I don't think is up to the same level. They haven't gotten mauled three times. Like they've been yeah, somewhat it's even, reasonable. It's about, yeah, like yeah, like yeah, definitely. But they, like they've been in games. For, it's yeah. like the, it's like playing golf. You could have a if you're starting out, you can be the worst golfer in the world. You hit one good shot, and it makes up for the day. Like the World Cup has that thing where there's one moment that happens that that is going to bring joy to everybody in a yeah. whole country. Uh, you know what I mean from this sport and it's just a unique thing that happens in sport and it's a unique thing and like that's when I see these smaller countries putting out a performance putting out just a moment they, Australia went on and got better that game but that you know what I mean but you then know, Australia like, goes and beats Tunisia like yeah, that's what I mean every one phenomenal. of these teams has had had these little moments and that's what you want you don't want them coming in getting battered getting embarrassed so it's been a really like holistic like wholesome feel about it so far um aside from obviously all the politics of everything it's been in terms of a sporting event it's been there's been yeah. so many good little moments for people for players for fans and i think i think that's what the world cup is and yeah i hope people yeah like people listening with us fans where they find in soccer maybe listening to this that's that's what the sport's all about you know yeah and we're we're starting to get there, right? Like this, I, I don't know if people, I don't know if this is news around the world, um, but the the viewing TV numbers have come back for the USA England game here in the states, and it's the most watched soccer event in U.S. history. Uh, was the England U.S. game on Friday, which is uh, actually a big step. Like even in Brazil, when they were breaking all kinds of records, they never broke the the one that the the record that they broke was the 1994 World Cup final between Brazil and Italy a World Cup that we hosted so a lot of people had been going to games and following Brazil and they wanted to watch all the way through um, this was this is halfway across the world at 2 p.m. on a Friday uh, now granted it was Black Friday it's it's like a, almost a mini holiday um, but uh, on a random Friday at 2 p.m. they broke the the World Cup final record which is a big big deal. And not something, I mean, this a, that's a huge number. 20 million people watch this thing in the U.S. So you can you can really see the growth uh, as, as it's come through the, the World Cups. 
um, since 94, obviously was huge. Um, but then it died down and now it's, it's building back up and I, I can't wait to see 26. You talked about another, we talked about the U S doing well and growing another team country that's going to be involved in 26 is going to be Canada. Of course. Yeah. They've had a bad result today. How do you evaluate their performance? Cause I don't want to call them a disappointment, but almost is by, by how well they've played and the moments that they've showed and the quality they've showed in, in moments. I, as a neutral kind of rooting for them, you kind of now feel almost the expectations went up so quick after that first game, just as a, on like a gut feeling that now like they're, they're out, the first team out. out. Yeah. Is that a disappointment? I don't, I think it will be harsh to call it one, but what's your thoughts on Canada, their performance, how they're going to be feeling? So anyone who's followed this Canada team will tell you it's a big disappointment because this, this team they beat the crap out of the U.S. and Mexico. Now, this isn't the greatest Mexico team of all time. It is probably the best U.S. team of all time, which maybe isn't saying a whole lot, but this Canada team was the best team in CONCACAF during World Cup qualifying, and it wasn't particularly close. Um, They have a lot of talent. They've just never been to the World Cup, uh, and it kind of showed, although the U.S. has only had one player in the World Cup, uh, and they're, they're handling it better, I would say, but... Canada also got an incredibly tough group. Um, So I I would say that's maybe one difference. So inside the Canada camp, it's a huge disappointment because I can tell you they fully expected to get through this group. No matter how hard it was, they were fully expecting to do it and to go out and and let's be fair. They were better than Belgium. They should have beaten Belgium. Um, Just like Morocco were better than Belgium today. And to be fair, Belgium should probably be on one point, maybe zero right now and have really no chance going into that Croatia game. But Canada, you know, gave up a, a kind of a cheap goal, couldn't score, and they lose 1-0 to uh, to Belgium. Come into this game, and you immediately get that quick goal, and they were they were better for the majority of the first half, and then they get that the sucker punch uh, right before halftime, and then they get sucker punched again right before halftime, and they just didn't respond well. So they, I, I think they just had a, a really bad 50 minutes, um, knowing that they had to come back and try to get a result in that game. They kind of threw everything at it, and Croatia just showed how great that midfield is again. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Canada is definitely going to be disappointed. They're not going to have nearly as hard a draw in, in four years. They're going to obviously be one of the seeded teams. So they're going to get through their group in 26, I'm sure. And they're going to be a team that nobody's going to want to face, especially in Canada, if they do play a knockout game in Canada. Um, this team's got real talent. And they are – so people talk about the U.S. producing more talent, and it's because the MLS has put so much money into youth development. The MLS has three teams in Canada too. So Canada is definitely benefiting a lot from the MLS push to develop youth talent. So, um, yeah, I, I would say they're they're very disappointed but that Belgium game really showed how big a player they could be very quickly in the world cup in 2026. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of what we are saying. It, I don't think, I think the fact if they go out and put a good performance in uh, against Morocco the last game, I think they could a hundred percent beat Morocco and ruin Morocco getting through by the yeah, way. Yeah, definitely. And I think like the fans they're dangerous at the end of that, will have some pride if they kind of whimper out. I, I, yeah. I think, yeah, I think there will be a little bit of disappointment from such a strong start. Like you said, you can't really knock them for losing to Croatia. Croatia are a quality side and they've got experience. They've been to the World Cup final last time. Right. So it's not, they're no mugged. But 
Belgium are got to be for me. They're almost the opposite. They got a good, fairly good chance of going through, but they've been almost the biggest disappointment in terms of they've been the opposite opposite of Canada. Like they've just been. I don't know if Belgium do have a good chance of going through though. Like Belgium have to beat Croatia, and I don't know that they will. No, I mean, well, no. they have a chance when it feels like they should have no chance because they've been yeah. absolutely That's horrific. Fair. They've been the worst team in a tournament. No, and they've made one of the best players in the world look like, you know what I mean? De Bruyne has been terrible. You, you can look at my at my Global Cup team and see how bad De Bruyne has been. I'm pissed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's they, they, I, it just feels like a, yeah, it's kind of sad. It's like watching something, you know, they just, it's the end of their sort of run, that generation, and they never really reached their potential. And you still, when you think of Belgium, you're like, oh, they got all these guys. They're getting on now. They're kind of past it. They're all on a downward trajectory. Obviously, they'll have good players coming through. Maybe, maybe there was a question whether they should have trusted them a bit more this tournament. I guess in hindsight, it's easier to say that, but they've been a massive disappointment for me. Um yeah, and I don't want to talk about the Global Cup because uh, I've had an absolute <laughs> absolute disaster in it myself. So I'm, well, I'm we have to talk about the Global side. Cup some. We have to talk about the overall tournament at some point. But we'll save that for a little bit. Um, biggest disappointments for me. Let's, let me go through the groups here in my mind really quick and figure one out. I mean, Germany for sure. I thought I thought Germany was the dark horse to win this thing. Oh, man. I I don't know. I mean, I get that they they can still beat Costa Rica and get through and still be dangerous in the knockout round. But I just haven't seen I haven't seen what I thought I would see from Germany. I thought this would be Hansi Flick would have them ready to go. And I mean, this was a good result for them getting us getting a draw against Spain. But man, they they held on to a result against Spain like they were down one nil and got a late equalizer. Now they could have pulled a second one out to be fair on the Musiala chance, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think I've loved what I've seen so far from Germany, uh, Argentina I, I'm, for sure. On, Ger- on Germany, been a, I'd been say a big one. on Germany, I think I, I don't, I wouldn't write them off as much as sort of a Belgium. There's a big difference for me. The, the, the result against Japan was poor. But actually, they they were they were dominant for like sixty. They were winning minutes that, in that game, game and they were looking all yeah. right. And then they it was a, but they only got much, one. As much disappointment to them as a credit to Japan that they came alive and showed some quality in moments and finished their chances. But Germany didn't have an awful game there. They it was a bit like if you if US had nicked a goal against England, where you're like it was just like a a C minus performance where they just weren't really at it. They but they they were in the game. They they kind of. It felt like they went into the game like England did with a bit of arrogance and just thought they didn't have yeah. to be 100% intensity. The game, to be fair, today with Spain, I watched, and I think it was the highest quality game that I've seen of the tournament in terms of both teams. Both teams were going back and forth. It was a high-intensity yeah. game here. The US commentators are a bit suspect out here because they were saying, oh, it's nil-nil. It <laughs> seems like they're playing for a draw, but they weren't. That was a very intense game, a very high-level yeah. game. A lot of chances. Sides. And that's... and. Obviously, getting the goal backs massive for them. Germany seems to be suffering with the same thing US have, with no clear no goal scoring yep. threat up front, and they're trying yep. to figure that out too. But they've got. I'm not writing them off either. I, I was actually. I want to write. I'm English. I want to write Germany off at any given <laughs> opportunity. But I was don't actually, want to see those guys in the knockouts. That's for sure. I was sure. actually very impressed, and that was a 
for me, that was as like a football purist, that was like not as a fan, but as like that was a very, very intense, high quality game that we watched today. The, the one where they got the equalizer, and I think Germany still can rewrite the the narrative. Yeah, I still, I still think. I, yeah, it's they can. I just I thought they would dominate this group. I I thought they would have six points by now, and they would be well on their way to being through. Um, and they have not. And and to be fair, I think I'm most worried about their defense. Um, Rudiger's a good player, but I don't. I, I'm not scared by anybody else in their defense. And I don't think Neuer's been very good this tournament. I I just haven't gotten confidence from him, even really early in the game in the Spain game, there was that rifled shot that ends up hitting off the post that he makes a save on. And I think normally he should just save it. Like he should just, you know, palm it out for a corner or whatever, but he got lucky that didn't go in. Like he, he did not have that, you know, he wasn't behind that. Um, So yeah, I I don't know that I've loved Neuer so far in this tournament. I think, but we'll see. Yeah. You mentioned Argentina. I think, they were yeah. one that I was going to bring up that I actually, they were in the same boat as me. I couldn't understand. Obviously, Messi, Messi speaks for himself. But when I was looking at the rest Yet of Yet again, it, Messi's carrying this team on his back. When I was looking at their team on paper, though, I just think, I just didn't see it. They were favorites for the tournament. There were people were talking about them. I just, I just don't see it. Like, I think to, to, to loop back to my England comparison, right? Like, you look at every player playing in, in the English team. I think they're kind of like underrated. They're not like star, like John Stones. You're not going to be like, oh, like Luke Shaw. Like, but they're playing for top 10 teams in the world and they have done yeah. for a long time. They're experienced. They're, they're top level. Even our like weak players are like playing for Manchester United. Like, right. <laughs> is it a, so, but then you're looking at through that Argentina lineup and obviously Enzo uh, Fernandez, a so rare, a bit of a so rare goat came on and made a difference this game. But I love to see that goal. <laughs> they just looked poor, and outside of Messi, I was just looking around their team, and I just didn't, I just didn't see where it was coming from. I didn't see where what the fuss was about. There isn't another player there that I'd, I'd love, I'd love to have. There's not another player there that would get in the England team, and in my opinion, and I don't think that's even really that debatable. You have got Lautaro Martinez, decent player, Angel Di Maria, decent, old, couldn't get in a Man United team. Like he, I just don't see it. Rodrigo de Paul. Big move to Atletico, and he, I don't know whether it's Simeone or whatever, but he didn't, he just doesn't look like a world beater. So I just, yeah, they're both, I, I they're not disappointed because I didn't, I didn't understand the hype, but I've almost been reaffirmed by watching them that I just think, yeah. and I want Messi, everyone loves Messi, like I'm not immune to that, but I, I, I don't, I, I, don't I will it. say if Argentina doesn't win that group and the US does get through in second place, that's a juicy bracket. That's really juicy. I mean, you're talking about potentially Poland against either Denmark or um, I forget, is it Tunisia? Denmark or Tunisia that have a chance to be second in that group? I mean, to get to a semifinal of the World Cup against either Poland or Denmark? I mean, Denmark obviously is, is underrated, but they haven't been as good as I thought they would be either. They haven't really, you know, come out and challenged people. They played okay against France. Um, but they've got to really, they've got to take it up a notch for sure to get out of that group. I'll put the Danish um, in, the, in the same category as like the Croatians. The Germans? No, no, the, the Croatians, no? the, the the teams that have quality, 
in the right areas. They're effective, they're efficient, they're professional, they're a unit. So if you have an off day against them teams, or if you have a moment of weakness, they'll punish yeah. you. But they don't really have the X factor that the top few teams have where right. you can you can have your best game and still Kylian Mbappe can just still do something and you're just <laughs> Lionel Messi. Yep. So that's kind of, there's a group of tier teams there. And in football, in knockout football, like if if England had the game they had against the US, against Croatia or Denmark, I think we lose that game. And that's just like, the US can get to that point, but they haven't got like enough of the killer blow yet, the, quite the experience. Maybe when McKenney's 37, He'll be Luka Modric. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, <laughs> what? He's got 37 year old McKenny. I'm saying he's got a long way to become a 37 year old Luka yeah, Modric. I, you know what I'm saying? I don't and, think he's going to be playing at 37. Yeah, exactly. I don't think he's that exactly, good. Exactly my point. And I think that there's that category of teams there where, yeah, if you have an off day, they'll beat you and they, they can beat any team in the world. They just haven't quite got that X factor. But you know, there's plenty, and and a lot more teams are, are looking like that than kind of we spoke to. That's what we were alluding to. These teams I thought would be kind of worse than they are, and you think, well, actually, if if you don't if you don't show up against these teams, even the US, we found it out, they they're, they're going to be a problem. So, so yeah, yeah, Denmark, Denmark, Poland, Croatia, they're all kind of there. They'll all, they'll all have a part to play, and and they're always on for an upset. So yeah, yeah, there'll be. I don't know though. If you, if you put the USA against Denmark in a in a quarterfinal, one of those teams getting to the semifinal, you don't really feel like that's a legit quarterfinal, do you? Like, I mean, the other quarterfinals are like England, France, you know, Germany, Brazil, like big teams. Like, I don't feel like those two teams should be playing for a semifinal spot. It's, it's the game, isn't it? It's the, it's the way. Yeah. The way to that's what I mean. I mean, it's a juicy draw. If, if Argentina is not in that little quadrant of four. There's no other team that I'm terrified of. And I'm not even terrified of Argentina at this point. But, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Let's talk Global Cup. So, obviously, this thing rolls out. I, I mean, I'd say it's been a pretty huge success so far. Wouldn't you? Absolutely. I thought it was a – I loved everything about it. I like the – it's easy to it's, – it's a bit of a nightmare. It has been to get casual people to just have a go at so rare, you know? Yeah. And I know a lot of, like, degenerate people through poker. It's not really about the money. But it's just like the, you know, by the time they sign up and then figure it all out, yeah. they just can't, it's not. Whereas this one was easy to just say, look, just click on this thing and make your team pick, run. Pick eight players can, and go. You can bink some money at the end of it or see how they go. And I think, I think it's been a success in that way. I think they rolled it out really effectively. I have really nothing, no, no criticisms on it other than the fact that it's been absolutely miserable from my own experience because <laughs> I've been killed by the, um, by my own laziness and the time difference. So obviously, look, going into it, the optimal goalkeeping situation was to have the Dutch keeper, whoever that may be. Sure. But it's also optimal was my doctor tells me to get eight hours sleep. So with the <laughs> deadline on the first day, I wasn't going to wake up for the uh, for the team news on the first day. And I, I rolled the dice with uh, Bijlo and, um, yeah, got punished. So I don't have a See, goalkeeper. You're you're almost so late that you can stay up you could just stay up late to like 2 a.m. and watch the first game. Like here it's like 5 a.m. Eastern for us uh, to watch the first game. And it's like, yeah, that's like literally the middle of the night. Like, I mean, you're not really getting up at like 4.30 to watch a game, but you're also not going to stay up to watch a game like at 2 o'clock. It's like, uh, yeah, I mean, 
definitely middle of the night stuff. Um, I need my, I need my, uh, need my but, beauty sleep, mate. You know that. But another story on that. So, Bij <laughs> Low out, and I, because I knew that that was a possibility, I tried to pick up a backup keeper that I thought had, and some players who had good fixtures for the second game week as a bit of insurance. And I picked up Bono, uh, the Morocco goalkeeper. And he somehow managed to get injured in the in the national anthem singing today. He walked out <laughs> was singing the first anthem. time ever. <laughs> yeah, and uh, he didn't make the pitch, and they kept a clean sheet against Belgium, which I was kind of sneakily expecting. So my whole strategy is just up in flames. So Zidane did will have to wait. Zidane will have to wait to get nutmeg <laughs> by uh, by Nashi. But did that's you, the way did it is. you did you actually watch the game, or was it like middle of the night for you? Nah, too early. So on, on at least on American television, I don't know how it was on other on other like national broadcasts. American, the TV guys are like, wait a second, that's not Bono and Gold. That's Munir. Like, well, you got the team sheet that says Bono, and there's that's Munir. That's clearly not Bono. Like they were legitimately confused as to who that was in goal. And like, they had to bring in the rules expert guy that they have. And they're like, what do they do in this situation? Like, what are the rules here? Uh, and I thought it was just so funny. Um, yeah. but yeah, no. So, uh, I, I played the, the Dutch Russian roulette as well. And I did not have a backup keeper. I went with a, a, a five point minimum guy. Um, cause I was just rolling with it and uh shout out to our guy, Luca van Lewin. I think I'm saying that right on, on Twitter. Uh, I popped my team in like, I'd say like eight, nine minutes before lock. And he messaged me immediately like, yo, no, it's, it's no bird. It's not pass fear. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I got the switch to Nopert and, and it's worked out beautifully. Had the nice clean sheet in, in week one, had a, had a, had a decent finish in week one. We've been okay. I mean, De Bruyne has really not helped us a lot. Um, but like, you know, we're, we're doing okay. So we're in the States challenge, by the way, I'm in 95th place right now. Um, you, obviously we had a rule and I don't know if people just didn't know or just didn't care. Um, but we had a rule that in order to win any of the prizes, you had to play an American or someone from the MLS at some point. Um, and so far only 18 people out of the 427 in the challenge have done that. So when I play Walker Zimmerman in week three, I'm actually going to go to the top of the leaderboard for the prizes. So I might actually get to keep a prize. We'll see. Um, but yeah, that was always the plan was to play Walker Zimmerman against Iran. Cause I don't think Iran's scoring against us, but we'll see how it goes. Um, otherwise, I mean, done. Okay. What do you what do you think about the um the collections that you can do and being able to like trade and sell the the national series cards? Yeah, it's, it's all part of the. I mean, I, I first and foremost, I like it. I like the idea. I like the focus on collectability. And from a so rare sort of holistic standpoint, it feels like they've turned a corner now. And all the things that in our heads we said, why don't they do this? Why don't they do that? You can tell they've been working on them and they've, they've got a plan. Like we're just, and we're starting to see the first few pennies drop, the marbles rolling and the sort of templates they've rolled out here and the the quality in which they've been displayed and done. This is the first iteration. You know, there's going to be improvements, but I, I love the idea. of That's what we want. We want to show off who we are. Yeah. And I, think, I think there's so much, like now there's so much you could do with, with with the things that Sora in the last two months have implemented, like there's so much that I love that I could you could be here all day talking about it. And like you it makes me start have ideas. Well, they should do this, they should do that. Like I love like even the NBA, the model they I think the way they rolled out the NBA was so good, you know, and the points cap and the system. 
Obviously, they can't reverse engineer that back into soccer. But I think there's things that you could do in soccer. You could make, you know, Eredivisie only league, but to stop just Ajax players smashing, you do that. But with the NBA model, where there's a points cap on an L10, you have to, it's only Eredivisie. You know what I mean? There's so much that I'm thinking yeah. just as a fan. Oh, you could do that, and then I, or I then if you're done in the Premier League, I could actually play my West Ham guys because even though they suck, they're under the points cap. And I can actually use them to win a good card. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I'm saying though? Like, it, them it, sucking is actually a good thing. Yeah. Then I can actually cap. collect my West Ham players or my right. Bayern Nord or whoever you're a team, or even if you're a mid level team, and justify doing it because maybe this week I'll, I'll get a guy in there who can sneak in as a, as a low cap. So I think what they're doing now is the start. They're going to know better than me. But even as a fan and someone engaged, it's got me thinking, wow, brilliant. I can see how this is going to snowball into this and this. The product's better than ever. I mean, the it's hard. Obviously, it's hard, and I'm not immune to it. People talk about the price prices of their gallery and the market liquidity and action as a reference point on how well Sorez doing, you know? But I think if you zoomed out of that and it wasn't, you know, you had nothing invested, you that's, that's all going to come and go, whatever. It's a tough economy right now but if you actually look at what Sora has achieved in the last couple of months I think it's yeah. exponentially more than they ever had before and I think the Premier League seems like it was on the horizon so it's it's a good time to be around and and that's my honest opinion that's not a pump because I'm whatever it's that's genuinely yeah excited yeah. no I think I think I 100% agree with you and I think this is kind of the last little push before this starts to really get to be mainstream um, it's always been this niche thing where like, if you know, you know, and it's fun to play, but like only really, if you know about it. And now I think 500,000 people involved in this thing, they've proven they can market pretty effectively. Even if you only keep, I mean, that's legitimately probably 300,000 new players in the last like two weeks. If you can keep even half of them, you double the user base. If like, just think about that from a, from a, supply and demand perspective if you double the user base and you don't have any change to the supply of the cards you're talking about prices going absolutely through the roof and that's one thing that i wrote on our we have our new patreon page where we we have market analysis for each of the three sports independently we have um we have basketball baseball and uh, and i'm doing the, the soccer side the football side and that was one of the things that i wrote was i expect to start seeing how much of the conversion we get back on these new users and see if they start to start to actually legitimately buy cards and get ready for after the world cup. Um, I think we start to see that after the first round of knockout games. So that's, that's where I'm targeting as I, I I'm at this point, seeing these numbers, I'm kind of expecting a, a pretty good jump in the market, especially the high end market um, right around the time that those first knockout wave ends. And people have gone through like four rounds. Most of them have won prizes. They've been able to sell their national series cards. If they want to sell, they can collect them if they want to collect them. And they're just hooked on so rare. And you get that many new people all hooked at one time. And that's where you get one of these huge, massive booms. So um, I've, I've had most of my, and to be fair, like you said, the economy is in a terrible state. Um, so it, it may not be a, a huge, massive boom. I could be completely wrong. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of expecting the next two to three months are going to really look good here as we head into the start of the MLS season next year, as far as, uh, 
how the overall market looks. And, and you know who we'll see, I, I might be completely misreading the situation. It might be wrong on that, but um, to your point, that's not, that's not indicative of the health of so rare that the market takes a big jump. Uh, and if it doesn't take a big jump, it doesn't mean that everything's failed. Um, that's just what I'm planning for. And what, and what we wrote about on the Patreon page was kind of how to take advantage of that and, and kind of use that. Um, if that's what you believe is going to happen. So, I mean, we'll see how it goes. I've been ecstatic about this. I was honestly, I'm a little surprised that the current, like the actual limited card prices and rare card prices of the world cup players hasn't, hasn't jumped by more. Cause I, I would have thought that this would be a pretty big thing. Um, but clearly the common divisions, the global cup itself, like the, the actual common league, um, has been a smashing success and we'll see how much they can convert on these, all these brand new people that are giving so a, a chance, you know, a try. So we'll see how it goes. No, yeah. It's exciting times and we'll, yeah, we'll keep an eye on it. And, um, it's kind of nice for the, you know, the world cup's going to round off and then it's, you can start to smell the MLS opener on the, at the Rose Bowl on the horizon Late February. In February. Yeah. And you kind of got enough time to get excited with plenty of content and opinions and talks about it. It's, it gets close enough to, so it's a nice little segue in the, even though usually we're in the summertime, the world cup, the wintertime world cup for us in the States, it actually works nice. great. It breaks up yeah. the breaks up the break. So yeah, we're, uh, I'm excited. It's, yeah, I'm loving everything so far. So rare and and just general World Cup. So speaking yeah. speaking of MLS being an off season, big news today. Um, Busquets is is apparently signed to uh, enter Miami, potentially being joined by a guy named Lionel Messi. Um, I think that's yeah, how you it, yeah. big big news. What are your thoughts? Because I mean, <laughs> sign the old superstars that have been good did not work at all for Miami when they signed Iguain and Blaze Matweedy and all those guys, but they're going back for round two. What do you think? Um, yeah, there's a difference. So, I mean, like Busquets is playing, he played today and he's playing in the world cup and he's playing for sure. Barcelona week in week out and his position as a CDM, as a number five or whatever you want to look at is he's arguably the best of his generation. And I think, Oh yeah. MLS, um, we, I think that's a really effective position, actually. I think the teams that have a really good defensive midfielder who can distribute from deep because of the spaces, because of the defensive frail trees, can be a weapon. Obviously, Pirlo came, was terrible, and you would have said the seven about him. So you never know. It depends on his attitude. Um, he hasn't got anything to prove, which is not good, but he has yeah. the, he has proven. He, the reason he's got nothing to prove is because he's already proven his quality over his yeah. career. So, yeah, I mean, Sergio Busquets, I wouldn't write him off. He's an unbelievable player. He could he could probably play to his 50 of his eyes closed in that position. Yeah. Well, I, see, my my question is about the mobility because it's a very – and also the travel. We've talked about the travel, and Miami is not exactly a centrally located place. It's like as far to the corner, the bottom left, the bottom right corner uh, as you can go in the U.S. So pretty much every flight you take is at least, you know, five hours. Um, I think his so, problem will be, be the players around him more than any of that. He could play in his slippers if he had uh, if he had some couple of good players around him. You know what I mean? But yeah, yeah. He's not well, that's the thing though. You have to cover him defensively. I think like he's 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 fantastic. I'm not trying to say he's not fantastic. I'm just saying that the the Blaze Matuidi signing didn't work last time. Yeah, yeah. I I I I see. Yeah, I especially mean, I, in the Miami Heat. 
I'd be pretty confident. I was confident with, like I said about Insigne, there's just, there is that. Insigne is also only 30, right? 31. Yeah, I know, but like the impact, it's all down to when he was saying, it depends how he comes. If if Sergio Busquets shows up after the World Cup in February or whenever it is, or at the end of the season, and he decides in his head, I want to still play well and be good, he will be the best midfielder in the league. If he comes here because he wants to do a Gareth Bale and be in the sun down in Miami and hang out with a load of South American women, then he probably won't be that good, you know? Lionel Messi, if he comes, from his personality, you'd expect that because of the eyes on him and because of the kind of player he is, he's not going to be distracted. He doesn't need to prove anything. He's not. He could just retire if he wanted to. Yeah, he doesn't need a payday. He's probably going to come here with, you're assuming that's baked in, that he's going to come here and try and do well. And he's just, you can't even... you can't compare anyone to Lionel Messi. So if he's if he's playing in the MLS, yeah. it's, he's going to be frightening. And yeah, I mean, he's, he already is for PSG and obviously for Argentina. So he could be a bit of a, a game breaker, so related. But it's exciting. I mean, it's massive news. I think, it's, yeah, yeah, MLS is is coming. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll see how how it works out for Miami. I I'm more interested in how to how do we view the other players for Miami. Uh, like is is that now like the favorite to win the East, or is that just another team that's gonna have some superstars and you can own those superstars, but the other guys are still shit? Or you know, are they actually gonna be good as a team? I thought Miami were coming along last year at the end of it. I don't think they're a bad side to build on. If you put Lionel Messi in that side, I would wouldn't want to bet against them. And Sergio Busquets, wherever they lose, whether they you know. I don't know the Pozuelo situation, but they've got quality there. Campania's signed for them. He's he's a proven player in the league. He didn't he's have the best player. team, but he didn't have the best yeah. team behind him last year either. And he he done well. Um, that that role seems to be opened up with him with Higuain leaving. So yeah, I, I like Miami. I think they. I think if if they get them, there'd be a massive threat. Like if they get Lionel Messi, you get Lionel Messi in any team. Yeah, it's half. That's DC. the thing. Any team other than DC, and they you know they're in the playoffs. I mean, you're right, but I I don't I don't like that you said that. <laughs> um, any uh, anything else to uh, to add here before we wrap things up? Obviously, we'll keep going with the uh, with the rest of the World Cup, and then as Nashi said, after the World Cup ends, it's pretty much time to to shift gears and start getting ready for the season. So we'll start doing some some team breakdowns and and really start to get into it. But yeah, anything else you want to add? No, a little low blow to DC. Had to sneak that in there, so I'm happy. Hit my quota. <laughs> it's in his contract. He's got to hit it at least once an episode. All right. Well, we appreciate everyone tuning again. Enjoy the World Cup. We will see you back when the knockouts are going on next week.